Good morning, everyone. It's great to see everybody. So it's my pleasure to uh, introduce Frank this morning. And instead of telling you everything that I know about him, I just want to quickly tell you a couple of uh, stories. We met Frank uh, for the first time up in the mountains, Alpine. We do our men's yearly men's retreat in November. And he was a guest speaker. When I heard he was a guest speaker, we started promoting. We were excited about it. Didn't really know what to expect as far as a, you know, we hear him on the radio, uh, but didn't know him personally. Um, so we weren't sure. Are we going to get to meet him? Will he take a picture with us? <laughs> and um, we were more than pleased. I think all of us, we, there was about 60 of us men that went up there, young men. Um, so approachable, so humble, so um, just on fire for the Lord, not uh, ashamed to proclaim his name, and uh, not afraid to, to speak truth into the life of men uh, in a very real way, you know, challenging us. Uh, it, was, it was an incredible experience, uh, I think, for all of us, and, you know, God used Frank for that to be the case. Um, since then, we had an opportunity to kind of go to a couple of events and meet him. Uh, some of us go to the Monday night, first Monday of the month. Uh, first step meeting with them, and that's a blessing. And, uh, you know, from day one when we met him up in the mountains, we got a chance to say hello, spend a little bit of time, and we said, uh, yeah, you know, Frank, one of these days maybe you'll visit our church. And you know what he said? He said, never. <laughs> very approachable, very humble. He said, anytime, brother, just let me know. I'll give me some dates, and, and we'll work something out. And, and, and here he is. So it's a pleasure for us to have you, Frank. Uh, I want to mention a couple of things, and that is, in case you don't know who Frank is or what he does, he has his little talk show, Christian talk show, on the radio, 99.5. And I say that because I really want for this to be an event that maybe changes a lot of us, our lives, because I want to encourage you to listen to, to Frank and KKLA. I know there's some people here for the first time because you do listen to KKLA, and now you get to experience worship service with us, and so we're glad to have all of you. But 99.5 FM, KKLA. Uh, there's an app in case 3 to 5 doesn't work for you, for your schedule. You could always download the app and listen to the podcasts, as some of us do. I also want to let you know about the uh, Kingdom Men's Gathering Ministries that he, uh, that he started. God allowed him to start this. Uh, perhaps he'll share some of that with you, but you can go to his website, kingdommensgathering.com, and see what that's about. Uh, but through that, somewhat, he, you know, he also has the uh, Men Gatherings uh, there's been seven or eight of them. We've gone to three, uh, and those are our big blessings. All that to say, God is using my brother Frank in a mighty way to touch people's lives, to influence people's lives, and for that, we're grateful to you. We're grateful to God. Uh, we uh, just look forward to seeing the Lord continue to work in you and through you, and we're blessed to have you. Uh, we didn't get a chance to meet your wife, Erin, or your son, Dante. I was hoping to meet Little Dante and show him the basketball court. I know he uh, he's a future Bruin, from what I understand. Is that correct? And so uh, perhaps we get a chance to meet him. With no further ado, I'm most excited, Frank, to have you here because I know you're going to bring God's word to us. And so uh, personally, anything as a group, we welcome you. We thank you for being here, and we can't wait to see what the Lord has for us and for you now or in the future. So with no further ado, my brother Frank Sontag. 
Wow, there's a lot of people here. Good morning. Oh, my goodness gracious. Before I say anything, I want to begin in prayer. I've learned this isn't about me, this is about Him. Father, we just, we're just in awe of You that on this Sunday morning, we can come to this beautiful church and freely worship You. We thank You for this great country by which we don't have any concern at all about an ability to come and stand shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters and praise You. Father, we just thank You for those freedoms. Ultimately, we thank You for the freedom that we can only attain through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we love You. We thank You. Last week we heard once again the cornerstone of our faith that You are alive. Father, please use me today for Your glory. Anoint this fool to communicate whatever it is You would have me share with the sons and daughters in this room. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, let me share a story or two before I give you some things I've written down. Um, I've not always been a follower of Jesus. Some of you know my story. Some of you may not. I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony as well as some things that I want to convey to you. But um, I grew up in Ohio and Cleveland. I'm Italian. We were Catholic. And I was dragged to church on Sundays. And by the time I became what I thought was a young man, I said I was pretty much done with church and Jesus. I thought I knew who He was. And so we moved out here from uh, Ohio, and in 1972, I walked away from the Catholic Church, said, I'm done. I know who Jesus is, but I was a 17-year-old young punk who thought I knew what I wanted, and I wanted to go out in the world and live for myself, and uh, I was done. A couple of important points. In 1984... I went out one day, like some of us, striving to attain some identity. My dad had left our family. I was angry at him. I began to, uh, to, to grab a hold of a, an anger that was born out of a lot of pain. And one of the things that I attempted to do uh, in that time was try to find myself. And so I went out and I bought a motorcycle. And in 1984, there were no mandatory helmet laws in California. Uh, I had a full head of long hair. A couple of laughs. What are you laughing at? (laughs) And so on this particular Sunday morning, I wanted to go out and watch a horse run. I was in the thoroughbreds, no helmet on, woman I was dating at the time. I invited to come along with me. And we went to watch a horse run in Hollywood Park, which doesn't exist anymore. They leveled that, and that's where the Rams and the the rumor is the Chargers are going to play. And um, we watched a horse run named Light the Way Home, which is the title of my book, my biography. The horse ran dead last. We got back on my motorcycle, uh, making our way back to my place of, of residence. Neither one of us had helmets on. And when I woke up that Sunday morning, June 17th of 1984, similar to this Sunday morning, 
I had no thoughts, although I was in full rebellion against God, I had no thoughts that that may have been the last day of my life. I venture to guess the overwhelming majority of us today had no thoughts this morning waking up that this could be the last day of your life. So riding on my motorcycle at 5 of 6 that late afternoon, I went to make a lane change. I looked in my mirror and all I saw was a car that was accelerating at speeds by which in literally a millisecond, the last thought I had was, this is it. And I have to tell you, maybe some of you have had traumas, brushes with death. It's interesting because stereotypically, we have an experience of things going into slow motion where things are very pronounced. For me, in that second, I saw my whole life pass before me. And the only thing I could think of was, I compromised my whole life. I came from fear, I came from pain and anger, and literally right before we were hit, I I just thought, what a waste. Again, I want to remind you, 12 years previous to that, I walked away from the Catholic Church. I said nothing, wanted nothing to do with Jesus. So the aftermath of the accident, California Highway Patrol, when they make their reports, and they come out and they tape off the area and guesstimate, we were hit in excess of 110 miles an hour. And we, I was rear-ended. I saw it in my mirror. Um, the woman I was seeing at the time was hurt very badly. She had to have brain surgeries. Praise God, she survived. Me, I had some crazy stuff happen, of which I, I'm not led to get into uh, this morning. But it... it, it, it it changed me. I, I could not look at a day the same ever again. And I, I literally learned that life is very fragile and fleeting. And I decided to take that experience. I moved away for a while to Lake Tahoe, tried to do some soul searching, who I was, why am I here? I came back. It would be awesome to the story if I told you I gave my life to the Lord then. But I went completely in the opposite direction. I ended up becoming in the New Age. I was a New Age teacher. Now, 30 years later, New Age and New Age teachings have, have kind of changed a bit. New Age is belief that all faiths lead to God. That somehow it's about love. It's about service. It's a nice message. Coexist bumper stickers were popular for a time. I see one every once in a while now. We had buildings that we called churches, and we would go in and worship. Ultimately, the illusion is we would worship different teachers and prophets. Jesus is acknowledged in New Age, but He's nothing more than the Lord of love. They don't want to get into... He said, I'm the Son of God. They don't want to get into any of that, just like the world doesn't want to get into any of that. We live in a world that says, I believe in God, but when you mention Jesus Christ, let's just say, some just say, I'm not going there. So, I fell into the New Age because it was, it was interesting to me. You ask deeper questions, who are we, why are we here? 
I took over a radio program on a local music station that I ended up 27 years on the air there. Um, I, I've dropped out of co- college twice because I was terrified to take a speech class. This is not easy. God has a sense of humor. And so I fell into radio. No, no background in radio. My father was in the movie industry. I wanted to be an actor and all that other stuff. God had different plans. So I began my career in radio in 1985. And in 87, I became an on-air broadcaster took over a talk program that was a new age program, spiritual but not religious. I did that program for 21 years. Somewhere near the end of that stint, my best friend and I, who did a lot of things that, praise God, we've repented of, he was also a new ager, called me one morning in 2006 and said, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. My first thought was, and I'm only here to be completely honest and transparent, my first thought was, don't become like one of them. Very quiet in here. You know the way the world sees us, hypocrites, all that judgmental, intolerant, condemning. I had all that stuff in my head, which I know now was a ploy of the enemy. But I thought, don't become one of them. For three years, I watched his life completely change completely change was undeniable and we would have conversations and he would always say it's not me it's it's Jesus and I didn't understand what that was but on some level it spoke on some level to me I I wanted some of that how many of us in this room are Christian witness we go out into the world we're called to stand alone how many people see us and go there's something different about them But how many people see us and go, I I want what they have? That's part of the message this morning about the power of your personal story. So I saw what was going on in his life and I wanted it, but I had so much of my own will, so much of my own identity, identity. And so one fateful afternoon in 2009, he and his older brother, who was an evangelical pastor, invite me to play a round of golf. Now, anyone that plays golf in this room, you know it's an evil sport. You got to hit this little white ball with a stick. It's not easy. So I'm playing with my good friend and his older brother, and I'm about to hit my approach shot. And Pastor Dale says, Frank, what's your problem with Jesus Christ? I had a five iron in my hand. I wanted to wrap it around his neck because I instantly got defensive. You, you, you preach Jesus in the world, people freak out because there's a power in the name of Jesus. Amen? So that's where I was. It's like, look, I'm good. You don't, you don't need to go there. Jesus and I, you, you hear me, He's the Lord of love and all the other lukewarm, if you will, ways in which people say they know who Jesus is. So some time went by and... For lunch, they decide to do what I call now a Christian intervention. They had watched me achieve the heights of popularity. The LA Times did a front page article on me. They called me a New Age guru. And I was just eating all that up. Not because I was necessarily completely entrenched in darkness, but I had a foot in each world. 
And yet, identity, I saw myself as a spiritual teacher, but not religious. Boy, you mention that word these days. Oh, my goodness. You mentioned church, of which the sermon I'm going to share with you. Oh, boy. No, I, I, I can worship God. I don't have to go to church. Okay. Talk about church in a few moments. So Pastor Dale said, after two and a half hours and my best friend, they got me to say I was a sinner. Do I believe in Jesus? Do I believe He rose from the dead? I don't know. Do I believe He hung on a cross? Maybe. At the end, they basically said, well. And they were expecting me to go. I'm all in. And what came out of my mouth was, if it works for you, well, okay, I'm happy for you, even though I wasn't. But I'm, I'm fine the way I am. I'm a spiritual teacher. Right? I talk about love. I'm okay. God and I, we're okay. And so Pastor Dale looked at me the way pastors sometimes look at us with a convicting look that's loving, but yet we know Pastor Bruce, others, they know what's going on. Pastor Dale said, Frank, if you don't make it home today, like you shouldn't have made it home 25 years ago on that motorcycle, are you right with God? And I got to tell you, it hit me on some level because I knew I shouldn't have survived this motorcycle crash. It had been 25 years that I was still away from my father, rebelling against him. Pastor Dale said, would you take a moment before you drive home, you have a wife, a son that's a year and a half, would you spend a moment meditating on if you're right with God? And I was angry, but I said, sure. So we said goodbye. I got in my car, about ready to start it. Oh, that's right, Pastor Dale. Yeah, am I right with God? Whatever. But for three years, they loved on me. So I wanted to acknowledge what he said. So I sat in my car and began to quiet down and began to approach the question, am I right with God? Which I want to ask you before I share what happened and then get into the Word, are you right with God? Did you wake up this morning having any awareness of if this is your last breath on earth, are you right with Him? And I know many of us, yes, We love the Lord, we go to church, we're Christian, I'm good with Him. And I I don't doubt that that's not true for the overwhelming majority of you. But there may be one of us here that we are backsliding. Or maybe somebody here doesn't even know who Jesus is. You're here to hear me talk. I I would hope and pray that you're right with God. And by the end of my sermon, I'm going to give you the opportunity to get right with Him. So I sat in my car, quieted down as a New Age teacher. New Age acknowledges, again, truths in all religions. I read a lot of different, by the world standards, holy books. I was into Eastern mysticism, the Quran, Bhagavad Gita, a whole bunch of other books. But I never, never read one of these. In Catholicism, we did catechism. We didn't read the Bible. I see some people nodding. So I had no scriptural understanding or reference to anything in the Bible. I'm sitting in my car, quieting down. And by the way, I'm a crier. I'm okay if I start crying. Don't worry about me. They're tears of joy. 
So I sit in my car, I quiet down, and I got really warm. <clears throat> I felt like I, I broke out into a sweat, like, am I okay? I played golf, no hat on, sun, maybe I got too much sun. And I sat there for a moment, and it was like, no, I'm okay. And then I heard a voice. A voice that said to me, are you ready to submit to me? And I knew who it was. When your father who made you speaks to you, you recognize his voice. I had free will. I wasn't coerced. I had no fear. But I said yes. And then he said words that changed me forever. I'd never heard them before. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Now some of us go, well, yeah. That was in Scripture that Pastor read, Luke 9.23. I'd never heard those words in my life. I didn't know what it meant. I sat a while longer. Nothing else was exchanged. The sensation kind of went away. And so I'm on my phone. I call my buddies. And the first words out of my mouth, I think I want to go back to church. 37 years. You couldn't drag me into a church. I said, I think I want to go back to church. And they're hooping and hollering and praising God and what we do when someone surrenders. And so, a little bit more of the story. So my dear wife, who Pastor Miguel said is not here, we're going to come back. We'll bring my son. You can all meet us. My family. The way God has blessed me. My dear wife at the time was a non-believer like me. We were both New Agers. She also was raised in the Catholic Church. In 2009, the world of social media was just taking off. And so my two buddies, unbeknownst to me, put on Facebook, our good friend just gave his life to Jesus. I had no clue. I didn't know they did that. But I'm on fire for the Lord. I'm driving home and I, everything made sense to me. It was instantaneous with me. My heart was instantaneously regenerated. I got it. I understood. I asked for forgiveness. All my rebelliousness, all my mockery of Jesus and my shows and, and public speaking. New Age is the worship of self. I was so locked into me that I chose not to have Him. And I repented of all that. I get home. My wife saw what was on Facebook. I go out in the front room, and the first words out of her mouth, don't tell me you gave your life to Jesus Christ. And she was, she was angry. Which I didn't understand at the time. I understood in the aftermath. She married me as a New Age guru. We were New Agers, soulmates, all that stuff the world tells us. And she freaked out. Frankie, going through a midlife crisis? You're a Christian now? What? So we spent about 18 months in a very trying time. God took a lot away from me in that time. Five weeks after the golf course incident, Pastor Dale mails me this Bible. And I'm up one night on my knees, crying out to God. And I just open, I just open the Bible. The Gospel of Luke just unfolded. 
And the first scripture I read was what we all read together. I saw red letters, and this is what a good Christian I was. I knew red letters meant Jesus. Five months or five weeks into my walk with Christ. When I read in the Bible, Jesus' words, if anyone would come after me, let him pick up his cross daily and follow me, in essence, I hit the ground. That was it. I surrendered. I said, I'm, I, I will forever give you praise. As long as you give me breath, whatever's to come, please bring my family back. I pray that you will reconcile this, this big divide. But I'm all in. A number of months later, my wife started to go to church with me. In July of 2011, about a year and a half after I gave my life to the Lord, she became a follower of Jesus as well. My son now, who is 10, gives me a bad time at night if we don't pray. He knows the Lord. And I've watched God just put everything back together. And so here's the question. Do you understand the power of your personal story? Do you really understand? Do you share it with the world? Every Christian has two basic stories to tell. Our story of how we became a follower of Jesus. We all have our stories. Our testimonies are valid. They're important. Some of us have dramatic ones like me. Goodness, I was a new age teacher and the next breath I'm a follower of Jesus. Kind of radical. Some of you may think, well, my story is simple. They're all the same. Every testimony is valid. And the second basic story we have to tell is the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. There's a lot of power in the simplicity of a changed life. Like the man Jesus healed from blindness. Once I was blind, now I see. John 4 is the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. She believed in Jesus this day and shared her story with others. Many people believed as a result of her testimony in John 4.39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in Him because of the word of the woman. He told me all that I ever did. The power of a changed life. We see how Jesus entered her world, overcoming the prejudice of the day. He engaged her and patiently and lovingly won over a hardened person. We can learn a lot from John 4. We need to go where people are. We need to care about people that we speak to. A person can tell if you really care about them. We need to keep at it even when we're tired. Jesus was tired from a long walk that day, yet He still had time for this woman. We need to act. Jesus reminds us that the objective is to build a bridge, not burn one. The goal is not to win an argument, but to win a soul. Many an argument has been won and a soul lost through insensitivity. That's one of the things my, my two brothers really taught me. That it's about relationship. It's important. It's not about hammering somebody that may not know the Lord. We must adapt to the situation at hand. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. 
Jesus never dealt with any two people exactly in the same way. Prayer and worship. People may feel one place is better for worship than another. We think God might hear our prayer more in a beautiful church or cathedral. We might think if we're on our knees, God will hear our prayers more. I heard the story of three ministers debating the best posture in prayer. One minister shared that he felt that the key was in the hands. He always held his hands together, pointed them upward as a symbolic form of worship. Another minister suggested that real prayer was on your knees. That was the only way to really pray. The third said they were both wrong. The only position in which to pray was to lie on the floor flat on your face. Prayer. It's a sermon for another time, but I'd like to suggest there is no right way to pray other than to pray. Just pray. God help me. God lead me. Jesus is saying it's not about where you worship. It's about our heart. It's about our motive and the proper understanding of who God is. You read Scripture. Daniel worshipped in a lion's den. Paul and Silas in a dungeon. Jonah in the whale's belly. It's not about where, it's about what. What does God require us in worship? What does God ask of you in worship? God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus indicated the fundamental elements of true worship. We must worship God in truth. That's about our view of God. The God we worship must be the true God, not of God of our own making. I don't want to even get into that conversation. What is truth? Is the question. In the New Age, it's relativism. My truth? Oh, whoa. Hey, what's true for me may not be true for you. We can agree to disagree. Absolute truth? Oh, wait a minute now. That God says I'm to live a certain way in accord with certain, certain truths. In the, oh, oh, wait a minute now. I need to live for me, right? God can only be approached and known through Jesus Christ and through His blood and His blood alone we have access to God. Amen? Y'all with me? Hebrews 10, 19-20 And so, dear friends, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the new life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us through the sacred curtain by means of His death for us. Once we know God, we are to become a part of the body of believers. God can be worshipped anywhere, but He's called us to be part of the church. Church is not perfect, but it's the only organization Jesus started. The church is more than just a place to worship. It's a place to serve others. It's a place where we get consistent Bible teaching, a place where we're accountable, a place where we serve, a place where we give. You do need a church. And the church needs you. 
We're all part of a family. The problem is we live in a culture that we church hop. Right? Oh, I'm not sure I liked the way pastor preached last Sunday. Or that worship. Ah, it's just, I didn't feel the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, the, the, the talking and, and, and the infighting. Pastors do not like the idea of church hopping. Where do you go when crisis hits? When your marriage is a mess. When you have problems with your children. When you want to get married or a loved one dies. You go to church. You go to the church. Amen? Not only are we to worship Him in truth, but we're to worship Him in spirit. Worship also engages the affections, the heart, and the emotion. Of course, that doesn't mean that worship's always an emotional experience. People express emotions at weddings, football games, concerts. Yet if we do it at church, I was raised in a very stoic environment. If we do it in church, we're kind of labeled fanatical. If you get up during worship and your hands are raised, a family member we brought to church one Sunday who had been for many years brought up in the Catholic faith tradition, we were up, arms up, crying out to God. She wasn't so sure what to make of it. It was so contrary to what she was brought and raised to believe in when you go to church and worship. Jesus is setting the woman straight on how to know God. She never heard truth like that before. She says she knows the Messiah is coming. Jesus can see she's ready for more truth, so He drops the biggie. He tells her that He is God. John 4.26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. John 4.27, just then His disciples arrived. They were astonished to find Him talking to a woman, but none of them asked Him why He was doing it or what they were talking about. The woman left her water jar beside the well, went back to the village, told everyone, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came from everywhere around the village. The disciples arrived, see Jesus talking to what Well, could be a lady of the evening, if you will. Everyone knew who she was. She had a reputation. It wasn't all that good. But instead of interrupting, they held their peace. Jesus probably wanted them out of town so he could do the delicate spiritual surgery, if you will. They would carry the typical bias, prejudice. You know, oh my gosh, how could... Jesus be talking to this woman? Sometimes we as Christians with good intentions but no tact can keep people from Christ. We don't get to the heart of the matter as to what drives people to bad choices or we drive them off with the contradictions in our lives. 
A question we all need to ask ourselves, are we a stumbling block or a stepping stone? Our testimonies, our personal stories are important. Some things to think about when you share your story. And if you haven't, by the time I'm done with you, I hope and pray you will be out in those doors in the world where you cannot wait to share what God's done in your life. People need to hear because on some level they know they need a Savior, but they don't know how. They don't know what. They don't know where. They don't know what their lives are about. What a blessing it is to call ourselves a follower of Jesus. Amen? You share your stories. You share your testimony. Frank, I can't share my faith. What if they ask me that question I can't answer? My goodness gracious. I went back to school and studied apologetics at Biola because I knew I needed to get deeper in God's Word. Part of it was fueled by fear. Like I didn't want to be asked that question that I can't answer. But part of it was wanting to know the truth more. But the bottom line is, forget that. You have a story to tell. You love them first. Doesn't mean you accept maybe their lifestyle. You love on them. And the Holy Spirit will give you that opportunity when to share your story. Don't glorify or exaggerate your past before you came to know the Lord. Some of us change our testimonies with time. It gets more dramatic with the telling. Another problem is making your past sound more appealing than your present. I had money. I had power. I had everything. But I gave it up for the old rugged cross. (laughs) If you've truly been converted, there's no way that can be the case. Don't boast about what you gave up for Him, but what He gave up for you. I've heard people speak of the great sacrifices they made to follow Christ. When you tell your story, it's not about you, it's about Him. It's a bridge, it's not a destination. We need to remember that everyone is different. Maybe you've heard a testimony of someone that Came from a radical background. They were delivered from drugs, alcoholism, gang member, prostitute, served time in prison. When you get down to it, God essentially does the same thing for all of us at conversion. We were all separated from Him by sin. We were all going to hell. We all came to the cross. Everyone's story is as important. Why? Because there's someone out there just like you. It needs to hear your story. Again, the main thing is your destination, the story of Jesus. The essence of the gospel is the death, resurrection of Christ. That's where the power is. Our world is in a state of spiritual hunger. We have unprecedented opportunity and cutting-edge technology and media to utilize. Not to go on Facebook and talk about what you had for lunch. So what are many in the church doing? We're arguing with each other. It's time for the church to use prayer and preaching. It's not time to isolate. It's time to infiltrate. Revival is what God does for us. Evangelism is what we do for God.
Luke 10, 2, Jesus said, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in His harvest. There's a lot out there. But the workers are few. A woman once said to D.L. Moody, the famous pastor and preacher, I don't like the way you do evangelism. He asked her how she did it. She said she didn't. He said, ma'am, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't do it. Spurgeon said, some laugh and think the salvation of the soul is nothing. But I trust you, beloved, you know so much of the value of souls that you will ever think it be worthy. The laying down of your lives, it might be the means of the saving of one single soul from death. It's like the firefighter that rushes into the flames of a burning building. That's all they can think about is that one person who must be saved. James 4.17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. It's a sin of omission. The great pastor Charles Swindoll tells a true story about an incredible case that came before the courts. There was a man walking on a boat dock. He tripped over a rope, fell into the cold deep waters of the harbor. He came up sputtering and yelling for help and he sank again. He was obviously in serious trouble. His friends were too far away to help. Some did not even hear him. But a few yards, only a few yards away, was a young man on his dock sunbathing. The man yelled, help, I can't swim. Help, I'm drowning. The young man, an excellent swimmer, only turned his head to watch. The drowning man floundered in the water, sank, came up sputtering in total panic. He finally disappeared beneath the water, never to come to the surface again. The family of the drowned man was so outraged by this callous indifference, they decided to sue the sunbather who sat by idly. The court ruled that the man on the dock had no legal responsibility, whatever, to try to save the other man's life. Charles Swindoll said, indifference may not be illegal, but it's immoral. How indifferent are we to people that don't know the Lord? Our job is to preach the gospel. God's job is to convert people. We may merely plant a seed or water a seed that someone else has planted. Sometimes we grow discouraged when people don't want to respond. Do not give up on praying for your husband or wife or family member or loved one or someone that God's brought into your life, do not give up on praying. Satan's greatest lie is to convince us, I can only pray. The only thing I can do is pray. Why does Scripture say demons shudder at the sound and the voice of Jesus Christ? We need to pray. People may not come to know Christ until we're in heaven. 
One day in heaven, we'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ instead of medals, different crowns promised in the Bible. The crown of righteousness given to those that love His appearing, 2 Timothy 4.8. The crown of life given to those who resist temptation. James 1.12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation and perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown of rejoicing in the presence of our Lord Jesus when He comes? Is it not you? Not everyone stands at this heavenly reward ceremony. Others stand at the great white throne judgment. I pray you turn to Jesus today and you can have the hope of heavenly reward. As I close, I want to be emphatically clear about one specific reason and one reason alone why I'm up here. And that is to tell you who Jesus is. I thought I knew who Jesus was in my younger days. I didn't know who He was. I just saw Him as a, somebody that was agonizing on the cross. Who was on the cross, still on the cross. As a young man, I'm thinking... If there are words for Him, then I don't have them. You see, my brain has not yet reached a point where it could form a thought that could adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of His love. And my voice... My voice is so inhibited, restrained by human limits, that it's hard to even send up a praise. You see, if there are words for Him, then I don't have them. My God, His grace is remarkable. Mercies are innumerable. Strength is impenetrable. He is honorable, accountable, and favorable. Unsearchable, yet knowable. Indefinable, yet approachable. Indescribable, yet personal. He is beyond comprehension, further than imagination, constant through generations, king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my words are few, and to try and capture the one true God, my vocabulary will never do. But I use words as an expression, an expression of worship to a Savior. A Savior who was both worthy and deserving of my praise, so I use words. My heart extols the Lord, blesses His name forever. He has won my heart. He's captured my mind and has bound them both together. He's defeated me in my own rebellion, conquered me in my sin, welcomed me into His presence, completely invited me in. He has made Himself the object of my sight, flooding me with mercies in the morning, drowning me with grace in the night. But if there are words for Him, then I don't have them. But what I do have, my brothers and sisters, is good news. For my God knew that man-made words would never do. For words are just tools that we use to point to the truth. So He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as the Word, living proof. 
He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, giving nothingness formation. And by His words He sustains in the power of His name. For He is before all things and over all things He reigns. Holy is His name. So praise Him for His life. The way He persevered in strife. The humble Son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice. Praise Him for His death, that He willingly stood in our place, that He lovingly endured the grave, that He battled our enemy on the third day He rose in victory. He is everything that was promised. Praise Him as the risen King. Lift your voice and sing, for one day He will return for us. And we will finally be united with our Savior for all of eternity. So, it's not just words that I proclaim. For my words point to the Word, and the Word has a name. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. Praise His name forever. Amen? I want to leave a couple of closing thoughts with you. If you're not right with God, If you've been one foot in, one foot out, I pray that today you will recommit to Him. If you don't know who Jesus is, this is a Bible-based, God-fearing church. Pastor Bruce and the elders, they would love nothing more than to pray with you. If you're struggling with something, if you want to surrender to Jesus, I can think of no better place and no better time than right now. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And as I pray, if anyone in this room would like to surrender to Jesus, just raise your hand. I'd like you to bow your head. And if anyone in this room isn't right with God and you want to recommit right here, right now, just raise your hand. God bless you and you and you and you. If there's anyone in this room that in this moment wants to raise your hand and praise the one true God through His Son Jesus, raise your hand. God bless all of you and you and you and you and you. Father, we just, we just come before You with a hunger And a sense of there's got to be something more in this life. And Father, we praise You for putting that deep in our hearts, knowing that nothing makes sense. There's no answer to any of this until we discover who we are through the sacrifice and the blood and the atonement of Jesus. Thank You for loving us so much. For those of us that repent of our ways and put our faith and trust in Jesus, that You give us new life and a purpose and a plan. God, for everyone in this room who raised their hand, or maybe for whatever reasons were afraid to raise their hand, You know their hearts. Father, I just pray today You will anoint them with a fresh wind and a fresh fire 
to know that you are with us, that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, and that whatever struggles we may be going through, whatever trials, be it in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. So Father, I pray for blessing and healing and joy and purpose and courage to each and every brother and sister in this room to go out and share who you are to a world that's so desperate to know there is an answer. And the only answer is in Jesus Christ. Praise His name forever. Father, hear our prayers. We love You. We can't wait to see You again. Until that time, thank You for loving us. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.